I don't want to share someone else's thoughts. I want to create my own original thoughts. I want to create my own original solutions. I want to look at situations and come up with my own phrasing, my own words, and do it my way. This is the John Taffer Podcast. Shut it down! Hello, I'm John Taffer, and welcome to the John Taffer Podcast. Well, as all you guys know, we moved to monthly podcasts a couple months ago when the production of Bar Rescue began. And speaking of Bar Rescue production, here I am with Jason Santos, Phil Wills, two of my dear friends and Bar Rescue experts. Of course, you know both of them. And we're actually sitting here on the set of Bar Rescue in episode nine. So far this season, we just shot our 200th episode a couple weeks ago. And we're gonna do a very special podcast this week on Bar Rescue, on Phil, on Jason, on the pandemic, on coming out of the pandemic. And guys, we got a lot to talk about. When I come back, I'll be with Jason and Phil. Don't shut down this podcast. John Taffer will be right back. Corey, we got to talk about this company. Big ass fans, BAF we call them. They're all over the Vegas airport and restaurants, schools, gyms, military bases, everywhere around here. And it seems like you can't get away from them. And they don't just do big-ass fans. They're the best fans for your house and patio. And they even have these evaporative coolers that are perfect for places like Las Vegas and maybe where you are during the summer, too. If you haven't seen them, check them out. Go check the website. You'll never guess the name of the website, Corey. BigAssFans.com. So check it out, BigAssFans.com. Dot com. That's BigAssFans.com. So, you know, Corey, when I opened up Taffer's Tavern, I didn't want TVs with guys sitting behind desks all day. I wanted great video programming. So I chose Atmosphere TV. Atmosphere TV is home to 40-plus content channels, including their flagship channel, Chive TV. It's built for your business and proven to keep your customers sitting, eating, drinking, and spending more money. You can find Atmosphere in thousands of bars and restaurants nationwide, and their service remains 100% free for business use. So just text TAFFER to 474747 or head over to Atmosphere TV, atmosphere.tv, and use the discount code TAFFER to receive your device 100% free today. That's atmosphere.tv, atmosphere.tv. with my dear friends, Jason Santos, Phil Wills, my partners in crime here, and we're shooting here in an undisclosed location in Las Vegas. And since this is the premiere week of season eight of Bar Rescue, I thought of nothing better than to sit with two of my favorite experts, talk about ourselves and talk about Bar Rescue a little bit. So, Phil, we've been together a long time, buddy. We have, we have, (laughs) yeah. It's been a fun ride so far. It has. So we actually met at Fridays, didn't we? We did, yeah. Yeah, I think you were hosting uh, one of the big events that they had there. The Bartender Championship. Yes, yes, that was it. That was it. I was one of the judges. You were. Yeah, yeah. And we met there, and we've been working together pretty much ever since. Sure, sure, yeah. It's been, uh, you know, again, thank you for having me, having me, you know, along with the ride and everything. But, um, you know, I learn so much every time I'm on the show, and, and I am an expert at, at what I do, but... You know, everything that, that you do is something that I just always gather on. So I appreciate all the knowledge that you share. All right, thank you, buddy. Yeah. Where did you make your first drink? Uh, probably in my mom's liquor cabinet, I think. <laughs> when you were about 12. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Sorry, Mom. Did you ever get sick on alcohol when you were young? Yes, yeah, absolutely. You know, I wasn't a big drinker in high school. I was in sports and everything like that, so I didn't drink then. Um, but I think when I got into my young adult years, um, I had 44 shots of kamikazes. <laughs> 44. Really? Yeah, and I woke up from it the next day, but I don't remember anything <laughs> that happened. After the 12th or 13th, you sort of faded out. Wow. Yeah, don't ever drink that way. Don't ever drink like that, guys. It's like not good. Like you woke up. Yeah. Pretty bold. <laughs> Pretty bold. <laughs> yeah. So now you got a great company, yeah. and we work together with Taffer's Tavern. So, so Jason, when I wanted to put my yeah. beverage program together, I reached out to Phil, and we collaborate together yeah, on awesome. that. And you travel around the world. You've been down in, in Latin America, I yeah. know. You've been around the world. How does the pandemic affect their business? Well, you know, it's um, probably one of the hardest hit industries has been our industry in hospitality. Yeah. And, you know, being a consultant, it's a little bit different because we get paid when people are open and business is going. So as the businesses started to shut down, all of our clients had to put a pause on their contracts. Yeah. And, you know, I think that in business, you always have to pivot and you have to make a smart switch. And so what we started doing is working with a lot of commodity boards and working on a lot of just national type of campaigns where we're developing drinks and developing programs. Um, and we had to make a switch with how we were gonna come out of the pandemic and what our clients were gonna be looking for. So we started to develop a lot of different systems to help them out as far as training, as far as production of drinks and that type of stuff. Wow, so, so you've gotten through the year pretty well then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's incredible, Jason? His timing was uncanny. About a month before the pandemic was born, he had a baby. <laughs> Ironic. So you really got to spend the first year yeah. at home. So in a way, yeah. the timing was pretty good for you. It was great. You know, it's um, you're spending all that time, with, you know, at home. And what better way to spend it than with a child that you just had yeah. and being able to be there all the time? Because, I mean, you know, we, we travel all the time. We're, we're always off doing things. And luckily, you know, you have a good woman behind you to kind of hold down the fort. But I wouldn't have had a chance to spend that first year of my child's life. Avalon's her name. Um, if it wasn't for the pandemic. So you always yeah. look on the bright side of things. Yeah, yeah, pretty amazing. You look back at this and there'll be some great memories. Absolutely. You know, it's funny, Jason, I've worked with so many chefs on television mm -hmm. and, you know, so many chefs get out of chef school today to be media stars. Yeah. <laughs> they almost don't know how to cook. They're yeah. media stars. Then they go on TV shows. I'm, I'm very frank. They go on TV shows on other networks that I won't mention. And they have culinary producers standing next to them. Of course, yeah. And they can make one plate of food. Right. And they're rated on that one plate of food. They've yep. never worked in a kitchen in their freaking lives. You know, to make 20 plates of food at once is, is unfathomable to them. Yeah. And they're just not real chefs. Yeah. And then, you know, I get to meet guys like yourself, mm. who is also a TV celebrity yeah. chef, but the real deal. Yeah. So when did you start cooking? So I actually started my, my whole life. My, my dad was a Navy SEAL. My mom was a paramedic. And I started cooking at 15. I worked at a bowling alley in a snack bar and I went to culinary school. And I sort of joke and say, I came out of the womb making aioli, you know? It's like all I've ever done. I've never had another job, 26 years. I'm as passionate today as I was like getting out of culinary school. I mean, I literally just got goosebumps. I love it, love what I do. And I think, you know, the whole celebrity chef thing, it's like, you know, you can be on TV all you want, but at some point you're gonna have to cook. You have yes. to back it up, you know? And the more you can back it up, I think the more believable and, and just you do a better job, you know? Yeah. You worked at some great restaurants coming up, of course, as, as you've learned your chops. What was the first one you owned? 
First restaurant I owned was Abbey Lane. It's been open now for almost nine years. It was uh, big out of the gate, 335 seats right in the heart of the theater district. In Boston. Yeah, in Boston. And it was uh, it was a lot. It was very stressful. I was in over my head a little bit with such a big restaurant, but I worked every day. I, you know, I got it running. It's super profitable and it's been open now pushing nine years. Wow. And how many do you have now? So I have four restaurants now. I have a fifth on the way and I'm hopefully working on a sixth in the casino as we speak. Wow. So. It's been good. You know, I mean, I opened uh, one during the pandemic. I decided to open a second one during the pandemic. So like Phil, I got to sit home. I got to spend time and actually think, take deep breaths. You know, I, I don't want to discount everybody being sick. It's, you know, a horrible thing what we went through, but I really got to sort of restructure my business, restructure myself and kind of, you know, figure quick on my feet. What are we doing next? And it's really helped myself, my family and my businesses. Yeah. And the funny thing is your fifth restaurant yeah. is opening right next door at a Taffer's Tavern. Yeah in the arsenal, so yeah. I'm thrilled about I, it's it. It's unbelievable. So in the I'm going to eat in your restaurant, you're yeah. going to eat in my restaurant, yeah. we'll cross promote. And yeah. you know, I always say the greatest place for a restaurant to be is next door to another restaurant. Absolutely. And the greatest place to be is next door to another bar. Yeah. And you know, we work together yeah. and we build the destination. So I'm excited. So we're yeah. both opening in the arsenal in Boston. Yeah. When do you think you'll be open? I'm hoping to open July 1st, you know, I mean, we'll see, but close as I can to July 1st. Yeah. That's the plan. So but we're going to be stretch. a few months behind you. Yeah. Home stretch. It's in phases, but I think we're pretty close. Yeah. Phil, what was your first bar rescue? My first bar rescue was actually here in Las Vegas, which is ironic because we did um, the bacon bar. The bacon bar. Yeah, yeah. So one of the greatest lines in the history of bar rescue was when Phil walked behind the bar and says, what did you say? <laughs> I said, hey, Justin, this is how you bartend, bro. Bro. <laughs> I didn't realize that was your first episode, but yeah. you, you had a quite an icebreaker then and after what was it like was it was it surprising to you that first time was it different than you thought um yeah you know it's i've dabbled in entertainment being from hollywood and everything so yeah. i've been behind the camera before you know my passion always lives behind the bar and i remember coming to set and i had known about the show you, you'd already had success i think you're in I, I came on in season three and you know i i went to the producers i said how do you want me to act and they just looked at me like I was crazy. And they're just like, what do you, what do you mean? You're a bartender. And I was like, well, how do you want me to act though? And they said, just go out there and do what you do. And I was like, it's probably the easiest gig I got. And, but then that's when I realized it wasn't just a gig. And I started to realize it was the, the grandfather who had lost all of his money, sunk it into this bar for yeah. his kids and, and, his, and his grandchildren. And then I saw the aspect of how we help people every time we go to these places. And so everything just switched to, this is the real, real television. It's not scripted. These families are down and out, they're losing everything. And you come in there and you help them out and you change, change the whole lifestyle that they have. So it's not about a script, it's not about the camera, it's not about TV. It truly is about helping these families. Yeah, it's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it feels good every week when Absolutely. we go home. Mm -hmm. You know, Jason, what was your first one? So I, we were in Colorado Springs and it was the Triple Nickel Tavern. I remember that one. And uh, it was crazy. And I, same thing, you know, I went there thinking, okay, like maybe we'll have some sort of script and boy, was I wrong. It was just as real as it gets, which makes it so much easier for us. It's yeah. organic. You know, I, I left my restaurants to come help. We're sincerely helping. Like we're here for a reason. I mean, it's, it's a great, great show and it's a great thing to be a part of. I mean, it's, it's made me a better chef because I've learned what not to do a lot of times, but also yeah. what to do. And you know, when you change things, I learn a lot, I take it back and I institute it in my restaurants and it's helped my business. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I've learned so much from watching people's mistakes. You know, in our real lives, guys, we're taught, this is what you do for success. These yeah. are the blocks of success. Yeah. These are the, the, 
everything is about success. We come to Bar Rescue, we've seen more failure than just about anyone. Right. And think of the lessons. I mean, Phil, if you think about it, you know the words of failure. You yeah. know the phrases of failure. Right. The walk of failure. <laughs> yeah. We saw it today. Yeah. <laughs> right inside the bar, which we can't tell you which one it is, but inside the bar that we're working on today, you know, we saw that failure. So you get to work with Gordon yeah. as well, yeah. of course, who's a wonderful guy. Yeah. And you get to work in these chef competition shows. Mm -hmm. But this is really the only show that's a transformational show that you've gotten to work on. Yeah, correct? I mean, this is, this is real on you know in set in the restaurant in the bar i mean with real people and real situations and it's you know it's sort of apples and oranges but i enjoy this so much i mean i love to see the transformation in such a short time and to be a part of it i mean i'd literally go home and just thank my you know i can't believe i got to be a part of something so big it's amazing uh, it's uh, amazing thank you, buddy so what's your best moment phil in bar do you have one that just rises to the top yeah you know there's there's you get to ask that question quite a bit and and i think that my best moment was probably my first episode where I just had that act out with the bartender and, you know, really was able to put him in, in his place. Yeah. But I think my favorite bar that we ever did, we we're in Long Island, New York, and we turned, it was like an underage club into this old speakeasy. With, with the wall that turned. Yeah, with that fake garage door. Yeah. And, you know, we don't often get to put in some dynamic, really out of this world cocktails. And this one was dynamic out of this world because we, we were doing yeah. like true crafting of a speakeasy. Yeah, that was a fun before. bar. That was good. It was a body shop, Jason. And, <laughs> and there was no door into the bar. But when you pushed on the wall, the entire wall opened. And then you walked into the speakeasy. It was a cool bar. Yeah, was that awesome. bar caught on fire and burned down. I heard. And, and you know what else? Actually, on social media, the head bartender for that place ended up buying that bar after it had caught on fire and burned down and rebuilt it. And then it caught on fire again. Really? And he lost everything. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. So bad. Do you have a moment? That, that's your best? You know, I have a lot of moments and they often will top each moment as we go along this journey. But I think um, Pineapple Hill Saloon was a big one. I, I remember the lady was recovering from breast cancer and yes. she was really fighting for her life there. And to be a part of something that you can sincerely help someone who's, you know, just stumbled on bad times. I think we see on the show, there's people that just don't know any better, but there's people that just have had, you know, the worst of luck, bad times. And especially now during this pandemic, I mean, this is really, meaningful and more so than, you know, yeah. all of them. I mean, they're all a big deal, but this is like yeah. really helping people like they're at their rock bottom. So we've gotten to do a couple of episodes each this yeah. season. How is this different for you this year, Phil? Oh, well, I tell you, you know, there's so many restrictions and I was be quite, quite honest. I was nervous coming into the season when I got asked um, to be on it again because of COVID yeah. vaccine had, hadn't rolled out yet. You know, they were just starting to get where to a point where it was going to be rolled out. So I was talking with the production crew and I said, how safe is it going to be? You know, what are the protocols you're doing just to protect your crew? And that checked all the boxes, you know, and then coming into it, it's so different because a lot of these bars are down on their luck, not because they were totally failing before the pandemic, but the pandemic just crushed them. So it's about how do you deal with the pandemic currently now and how do you slowly pull out of it? Yeah. And I think that bars across America and across this world are trying to figure that out and not everybody has it quite dialed in, but I think you're doing an amazing job with this season of giving everybody tips on how to pull out of the pandemic and be successful. And that's what we need to do this yeah. year. You know, it's interesting, normally they resist us. This season, it isn't resistance as much as they're wounded, they're hurt. You know, they're scared to act. They're almost a little paralyzed. 
and you know we have to motivate them and push them in a different kind of way it's not as tough love now this guy got some tough love today <laughs> wait you guys see this one <laughs> but we won't tell you which one but there was a lot of tough love this week but generally speaking yeah. it's been a softer episode don't you think yeah I mean, I think the thing is, it's relatable. We're all in this together. I mean, we're all in the hospitality business, so we can feel for them. We're just more empathetic. And, and you know, I've thankfully have done pretty well. I've been really pivoting and stuff, and I can take my knowledge, incorporate it in the kitchen along with, you know, you guys. I mean, this is like the ATM. I mean, I just, for me, it's just to be something, be a part of something so big, really changing lives, but be able to relate more than ever, I think is really important. Yeah, I got to tell you, this season, guys, I've cried a few times. I mean, we had one episode, I'm not sure it was the one that you were in, guys. We had a guy who lost his house three months earlier and had been paying his employees straight through. And he's paying his employees, he loses his house, his credit card bills run up. Then Las Vegas opens up at 25% occupancy. He fills the bar at 25 occupancy. We come in, run partender. While this guy lost his house and ran his credit cards up to pay them, they were stealing from oh. him. Oh. <laughs> So, you know, there's still evil people in yeah. this and there's still people that are misintended and we're finding that here even. Yeah. Mm. So in as much as COVID took them down, we're still finding those people who aren't committed to the business, you know, who, who are against the standards that we fight for so much, et cetera. What's your biggest challenge with Bar Rescue? You know, when you go to your restaurants, Jason, you're surrounded by chefs, people that have culinary degrees. Then you leave that world of Gordon and culinary yeah. and chef and then you come here. There's no chefs in our bars. You know, we're typically no. paying people reduced wages. Sometimes our bartenders are cooking. Yeah. How do you solve that when you're dealing with employees that don't have the knowledge? You know, I've always had this sort of saying that like good is good, regardless of what it is. I mean, I'd rather have a great peanut butter and jelly sandwich than a bad overcooked steak. So I, I think it's sort of equal for me. It's like if we're cooking simple, we're going to cook the best simple we can do. We'll take the knowledge they have, the technique they have, and we'll just enhance it for them. But you know, it's all good to me. I think good food is just good food, and that's what we try to do here. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. I like that peanut butter analogy. Yeah. I'm going to use that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Phil? You know, we come in here, and, you know, also you're surrounded in your professional life with people who are excited. You're there, and, you know, they have knowledge, and they want to grow. And then you come here, and I throw you in front of people who sometimes don't give a shit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, sometimes will tell you to go screw yourself. You know, don't have that passion. How much, what type of a challenge is that for you? Well, it's huge. You know, it's um, for something that you dedicated your life to and, and you've been a part of for well over 20 years to be in a situation with people that, you know, claim to be bartenders. And there's a lot of aspects when it comes to tending bar and it's not just back there serving drinks, you know. You have to control money. You have to entertain your guests. You have to be on top of things. And, you know, what you guys use in the kitchen, chef, is, you know, mise en place and having everything set in place and having everything look nice. And it's tough to get people in the mindset of understanding that. And they feel like, I just need to be back there and be able to pop beer bottles and pour shots. But right. there's a lot more to it. There sure is. If you want to make it a career, there sure is. Absolutely. What's yeah. your favorite drink? My favorite all-time drink is called the Sazerac Cocktail. It's New Orleans history. New Orleans, yeah. Tell know? everybody what's in it. Uh, Sazerac is based off of an old-fashioned, so you have your rye whiskey. Traditionally, it was made with cognac or brandy in the beginning. Uh, you have your sugar cube or sugar syrup. Um, and then you have pastel bitters instead of uh, aromatic or ang angostura bitters. Wash the glass with a little bit of absinthe. Stir that, stir that mixture up over ice and strain it into the glass. No ice. Don't put ice in there because you don't want to water it down yep. anymore and then a nice um, little lemon peel on top to get those lemon oils on top. Mm. Don't leave that lemon in the glass. Should just have the cocktail and that's it. 
So good. Do you make those at home for yourself? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's something you just sit back and sip on. You know, I always talk about layers of flavors and, you know, with the, with the anise or that black licorice flavor from the patient bitters and the absinthe and you have, you know, a nice rye flavor, um, you know, coming with a little bit of saltiness and a little bit of earthiness. You can taste it all. Everything, a little bit of sugar. It's, it's awesome. It's a sipping cocktail. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite drink, chef? You know, I'm a little old school. I, I like a really dirty martini, just a blue cheese olive, kind of a steakhouse guy getting mm, a ribeye yeah. and a nice ice cold martini to start my meal. Man, there's that's that's my bliss it's right shaken there. Shaken or stirred? I like it shaken. I like it really cold. cold. So you like it a little olive bruised. juice? Yeah, a little yeah. beat little up, dirty. a little extra dirty, you know. <laughs> so you're a James cheese. Bond type of guy, huh? You know, I like it real dirty, <laughs> yeah. you know. I, mean, I like it, you know. It just reminds me of a good steak and it's uh I love steakhouses and it's kind of my favorite start to dinner. Sure. You know, we all live in different regions now. Yeah. And uh, uh, I wonder, you know, we're seeing, you know, you're experiencing Boston post-pandemic now or winding down. You're experiencing, where are you living now to everybody? Where you live? I'm in Vermont right now, but I'm experiencing it all over the country because, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm dealing with a lot of different clients everywhere. What's your outlook for the next six months? Well, for the next six months, I, I feel like as we open up as a country and we start to uh, build the, the occupancy inside each location, it's going to be good because we are going to be flooded with people that want to get the hell out of their house and be able to sit at a bar again and meet people and and high five and look into people's eyes and have conversations. So I think we're going to be super busy. And what I'm finding right now is that the trouble is hiring good staff. Right. It's it's a pain in the ass all around the country. Part of it is due because, you know, people can sit at home and make more money than they would going going into work. But another part of it is in our industry, especially behind the bar for over a year, we didn't have a place to go. So what do we do? We shift. We go into maybe it's real estate, go into insurance. So we start to shift careers. Yes. So now the new people coming into the hospitality industry are truly new, very green. And we have to focus on that training piece of it to get them up to speed. Yeah, I think that's very astute. I was doing Bloomberg radio this morning. Uh, for those who are watching, this is the busiest week of the year for me because I'm shooting Bar Rescue and doing media. And I was on Fox and Friends at 5.15 this morning. Can you believe it, guys? Wow. <laughs> and then I did uh, uh, 16 TV stations and a satellite tour. And then I did Bloomberg. And we were talking about just that, Phil, and how you know now the industry is getting going again. And think about this. We're going to lose about 38% of our restaurants and independent bars around the country total. At the end of the summer, I think the marketplace comes back in force. I think we all agree. But let's say the marketplace only comes back 80%. But there's 38% less capacity. Mm-hmm. Boomtown. Yep. <laughs> no matter how you slice it, it's yeah. boomtown. So think about this. You open your restaurant, you buy your food, you buy your drinks, you get your marketing plans together, you clean the place up, you're ready to open and you can't get your employees. Yeah. And now what's happening is not only the enhanced unemployment benefits are really an obstacle, but when I was on Bloomberg this morning, one of the research reporters was talking about the fact that Amazon is purposely going at hospitality employees. They see it as an opportunity to go at them. The cannabis industry as well Mm -hmm. is targeting our employees and going at them. So I think you're right, Phil. I think they're spreading out to some degree, but it's a real crisis for us. And if we can't get our employees back, Chef, how do you open that fifth and sixth restaurant? Nothing without them. Yeah, right. Nothing. <laughs> so it's a real challenge. What's yeah. your outlook for Boston? You know, I'm, I'm like cautiously optimistic. I mean, I've already seen a big jump in business now that the weather's getting nicer. Our yeah. patio. I mean, one of my restaurants, we do small plates. This past Saturday, when we were filming, my chef texted me, he said, 1,800 plates. It's a record. You know, I mean, so things are great, and I hope they stay great, and I hope people embrace go back out, eat, you know, just help everybody get back in action. And uh, I look forward to it, you know? Yeah. 
I'm feeling the same thing. Yeah. Our Taffer's Tavern in Atlanta, we're doing record days right now. Yeah. I mean, record numbers. Yeah. And we're running, by the way, about 52% beverage sales, buddy. Oh, huh. my gosh. So our, our campfire cocktail, yeah. we're selling over 1,000 a month. People love our beverage program. We knew from the Tavern. beginning that was going to be the number one. Yeah, liquor. We nailed that one, buddy. <laughs> yeah. so if you haven't been to Taffer's Tavern and tried the cocktails, you got to do that. They're really, really special. So, Phil, you know, to end this, wind this down, I want to tap into a little advice, a little wisdom from both of you. When you look at the bar industry post-pandemic, what do you think stays as a result of this? How do you think we as operators really are changed by this long term? Well, you know, I think that the people that have been able to survive, they were smart with their money yeah. and they started to, to make cuts and reduce skews within their restaurants. Don't ha want to have a lot of liquor sit sitting on the yep. shelves. You don't want to have a lot of food. So, you know, it's something that a smart business person will start to cross utilize, you know, stuff within their restaurant from the back of the house into the front of the house. But I really think a reduction is what is what we're going to see. And I think that's going to live in a sweet spot where yeah. we don't see a, a food menu that has 30 something items. We right. don't see an 18, 20, you know, drink menu. We yeah. see something that's a little bit more controllable, re reduce your SKUs and yep. keep that overhead low. Yeah, I also don't see 40 draft beers no. going forward. No, you know, no. as you and I know from beer demographics, 12 different beers covers every demographic Absolutely. in the country. Yep. So once you go over 12, then it's a luxury situation that's really owner generated and such. What do you think from a kitchen standpoint is gonna change? And let me start by throwing something at you. I think the face masks in kitchens continue. I think so too. I think, you know, I, hopefully at least my kitchens, we have very high standards and yeah. I think things have changed, but for the better, actually, yeah. I think we're going to come out stronger, better. And I think what's changed now is gone to the days where it's just about food. I mean, I agree hundred percent everything Phil has said, but I also think it's about, it's an experience now. People aren't just going out for food. They're going out for right. an experience. They want to see stuff. They want to take pictures and all that yeah. stuff. So they want to be enveloped. Yeah. In it's a whole thing. So it's like dinner and a show now, you know, and yeah. I think it's good. And I think it's good for us and it's good for our guests. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I hear stories of supermarkets putting bars in now mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. the middle of the supermarket. Mm -hmm. I know movie theaters are putting in kitchens mm -hmm. and we're looking. So everything is a restaurant now. For you go to a supermarket, it's a bar. You go to a gas station, it's a restaurant. You go to a movie theater, it's a restaurant. Yeah. So we're getting so segmented that, you know, our industry is now being placed within other industries mm -hmm. to a far greater level. Look at stadium food yeah. service now, Chef, and the it's quality and the branding of, of that you type of see. So, so I think the sanitation things continue to yeah. some degree. I see no reason to take a face mask off in the kitchen. You know, I think, you know, when you look at flus and colds yeah. and sneezing and all those kind of things, it makes sense to me. So I think some things continue. Yeah. But I'm with you guys. I see Boomtown in the next yep. few months. Yeah. Agreed. You know, I see yeah. another another untapped market is um, it's been capitalized on food is to goes. And now that, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of liquor laws were kind of loosened up. And so we're allowing cocktail to goes. Yeah. And I think that's that's for the bar side of things the next biggest area of opportunity for most you know, business owners to be able to develop a great to-go program for alcohol, if your state is allowing it and the laws allow it. Yeah. But there's so much money in that. People want to have a great cocktail at home with their food. Taffer's Tavern is now working with Goldbelly, and we're developing uh, Bloody Mary bars, nice. old-fashioned bars, martini nice. bars that would ship out without alcohol. Yeah. So you have, you know, fresh, great tomato juices, fresh squeezed juices, all the spices, all the condiments, great garnish selection in a beautiful box. And think about if a bar did that, Yeah. you know, and dropped out at your house. So every Sunday morning I get, you know, Phil's bar 
brunch box. Right. And yeah. I get my own uh, my own vodka, my own tequila. And, and so there's great opportunities for bars to do things even without alcohol Absolutely. today. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's what's fun. You know, this, this year forced us all to think mm -hmm. out of the box. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the good thing that comes from this, is thinking out of the box. Yeah. You know, guys, this has been a blast. Awesome. I, mean, I love you both very much. We've been through a lot of Thank you very much. Yeah, man. Thank so you. When I get to sit with not only my buddies, but professionals like this, this is what makes Bar Rescue great for me, is the fact that together we actually do help people. Do. And everything we do is real and nothing is scripted ever. And, you know, we cross our 200th episode this season, guys. 11 years of doing this. Oof. Unbelievable. 200 bars. Think of how many employees we've helped in 200 Unbelievable. bars. Think of how many owners we've helped, how many yeah. managers we've helped. Yeah. So, guys, our work is great. We're going at it strong. Don't miss the Bar Rescue premiere this Sunday on Paramount Network, 10 o'clock Eastern time. It's going to be one heck of a season. And we can't wait to show you what we've worked on this year, guys. So thank you all. We'll see you next week. If you want to be on my podcast or be involved in a podcast, send me an email to podcast at johntafford.com. I'm always eager to talk to you. You can also Leave a message if you want, and we'll play audio messages on the podcast pretty often at 877-4, the number 4, Taffer. I hope you call, I hope you email, and most importantly, I hope you watch us in Bar Rescue Sunday night. Take care, everybody. Subscribe to the John Taffer Podcast right now.